beautiful love songs that stirs our heart towards the Lord. Amen. Let us pray tonight. Our Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the privilege of inviting us to be your friends and your children, your sons and daughters, your loved ones. We know that you loved us even whilst we are yet sinners. And for this we give you thanks and give you praise. Tonight, may we understand another dimension of your love to the end that we will be established sacrificing Lord for you and for one another we ask this in Jesus name Amen praise the Lord sacrifice for the sake of God's love sacrifice for the sake of God's love I'm very sure that everybody here, everybody here can say at one point in time or the other that he or she has offered a sacrifice before or made a sacrifice in life. Hallelujah. Because we all know, have a fair idea what sacrifices. When you give something that is precious voluntarily if there is a gun on your neck and you give it up it's not a sacrifice amen but it has to be voluntary something that you treasure for it to be a sacrifice it has to be something that you treasure that you decide to give and usually when you give it it may be for some seen or unseen replacement. Now, what it replaces may not necessarily be of the same value in your eyes. You may not see it in that same value. But, so that's why we say it's a sacrifice. You have more or less given more than you think you have you, 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 are, you might receive. Hallelujah. Sometimes the people say they are sacrificed when in actual fact it's an investment in expectation or something greater. Hallelujah. But the kind of sacrifice that we are dealing with tonight is that which you are given not in clear anticipation of that which will be greater. Amen. When it becomes like that, then it's more or less an investment. And um, in a way, an investment is more of sacrifice for fitting your future pleasure for today. So that you, whatever you should have enjoyed today, you put it into something with the hope that returns will come and one day you'll be better off. So in a way, it's a sacrifice. But I'm talking about a situation where it may or may, you may or may not see it immediately. Hallelujah. In terms of the returns. So, for example, if you have old shoes or old attire or whatever and you give it to somebody who is poor, it's not a sacrifice. Hallelujah. Or you, you have so much money and you give 
you decide that, oh, every year I'll share some of the money. It's not, you don't feel it. It's not really a sacrifice. But if it is precious to you, it's something, your only pair of shoes or your only pair of that, your time that you could have used for something else, that could give you more results. But you decide that, okay, I will use this time to visit this brother or this sister and be with them and to help them and to solve a problem. And that time you could have used for some other thing is a sacrifice. Hallelujah. But many times, the reason why I need to explain is many times we say we are sacrificing, but, be, but more, many times there is a different motive. And the motive is because we expect a higher gain. So it's not really a sacrifice in the true sense of it. Sacrifice connotes a degree of selflessness. That you may not really get it back, but you are happy to do it. And it's voluntary. Nobody is forcing you, but you yourself, you just decide that, I want to give this precious thing. If you give and it's not something precious, it's not really a sacrifice. It applies to our money, applies to our tangible and intangible things. It's something, when we say tangible, it means people can see and feel. But there are other things that people cannot feel and see. For example, your, 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 your comfort. Other people cannot feel and see your comfort. Your convenience. Your sense of dignity. The ones that people don't see. How, how important you feel. How great you feel. And usually that's the part that is most dangerous when it comes to sacrifice. People's reputation. People's reputation when it's touched. When you haven't seen, done anything, or you, haven't, you are not at fault, and they say you are at fault. And for the sake of peace, you have to let it go. It's a sacrifice. Well, you have to, you don't have, you, you are, God, for the sake of the love of God, in the name of the Lord, you are not allowed, or we are not allowed to argue our way through and to win our case as in the sight of men. It's a sacrifice. And say that for this, just so that I don't damage the name of the Lord or the body of Christ or the reputation of the church, I don't, I'll, let this, I'll let this pass. I'll not fight this matter because if I fight it, if I go further, it might affect many other people and many other things. That is what we mean by sacrifice. So, sacrifice is not only about money, it's not only about buildings, it's not only about tangible things. But I believe that greatest sacrifice usually lies in things we cannot see. You know, when we look at the sacrifice of Christ, only in terms of the body, that the body was uh, crucified and the blood and all of that, you may not really understand, you may not really appreciate. The greater part of the sacrifice of Christ, as the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, from verse 5 to 11, is the intangible part. When Paul tells the Philippians that you should, we should, they should emulate the humility of Christ, who though he was God, decided to come down in the form of human beings. And where he made himself, he being the creator, was mistreated or maltreated by the creation. Hallelujah. The created beings. And he goes on to talk about the kind of death. Then he goes on to the fact that he had 
lowered himself to the point of dying on the cross and then gave up his glorious position for him to later on, it had to take God's grace for him to end up on the right hand side of the Father. That is intangible. The, 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 the humiliation, that is where we are facing tonight. That's what we are facing tonight. The elements of giving up dignity, giving up reputation, giving up respect, giving up a great name, so called. In any case, it is God that gives us a good name. Hallelujah. So when we talk about sacrificing for the love of God's sake, we are not really, even though it's important, we're talking about offerings, we're talking about tithes, we're talking about things we do that people can see. But more importantly, the thing that we struggle with when it comes to sacrifice, that challenges our love for God, are the things that are not tangible. Say amen. If you have been in church for long, and you have been faithfully serving, and you are doing your best for God, and you are doing your best for brethren, and they don't show, they don't reciprocate with love, with respect, with dignity. If you are not careful, you will decide that you will never do good again into people of God. There are people, Christians, who have decided, I will never employ a Christian brother or sister in my office again. Because when they, the people did not qualify to be there. And they bent over backwards to make an exception to them. So they can help them. And the person not only leaves unceremoniously, leaves with evil reports. If you are not careful, you say that you will never show that kind of love of God to any brother or sister again. Say Amen. Sacrificing for the sake of God's love is something that we can't finish dealing with, but I'll try that we'll deal with. Many people, I think there was a song many years ago, Love is Strange. Love is Strange. When I went to Form 1, the first entertainment after the Greenhorns night, the song they played was Love is Strange. Hallelujah. Many, many people take it for a game. And when they played it, everybody came on the floor, including some of the Christian brothers and sisters. Brothers. There were no sisters there. Everybody was like, that was the song. When they played, everybody would come on the floor. Many people take love for a game. That is in the circular. And even in the kingdom, many of us take love for granted. Hallelujah. That is why one of the commonest reasons why people leave churches is because of love. And one of the commonest reasons why people join churches is because of love. <laughs> many people feel in many churches and in many fellowships there's no love. If you do, that's why many churches don't have family meetings. Church family meetings. Because if you have a church family meeting, the commonest complaint that people will bring 
is that there is no love in the fellowship. There is no love in the church. And I've come to realize that one of the commonest reasons why people stay at that level is the fact that many also don't understand love. Amen? Many don't understand the God kind of love. Many have equated Hollywood love, romantic Indian movies and American movies, romantic love. Am I shati? That's how you know that Indian movies. All they, they just they are just dancing and they think that love is all about that. Am I shati? They used to they used to show many years ago. 1980, about. they were the Indian stars. And everybody thinks that, the young ladies think that love is all that they read about in Mills and Boone. So they are growing up and they are expecting a hunk, tall guy, he comes and he holds you calmly and he's taking you out and he opens the door and you enter and it's like that. And that mindset is the same way we come to church. We, are, we don't picture a love with bruises. But I have news for you tonight. God's love is not without bruises. Let me say it again. God's love is not without bruises. The scripture says in Hebrews, doesn't it say, that those that he loves, he chastises. So God's love is not without bruises. And the love that we are talking about in the church cannot be love if it's not fashioned or patterned according to God's love. Hallelujah. Yes, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful. Hallelujah. But also, it can be painful. And that is where there has to be sacrifice. That is why there has to be sacrifice. Because love can, can be hard. That's why Paul caught the revelation. When he spoke to the Ephesians and said, Endeavoring to maintain the unity of the faith in the bond of peace. He got it on both sides. In Corinthians, he saw the, the romantic, the nice one. Then he switched on in Ephesians. Charlie, if you don't put in something, this love will be an illusion. It will not be real. It is only real when we understand the totality of it. Amen. Many of us have had an illusion of love. Sacrifice is not in our vocabulary. That's why today we have groups like Pepperdam Ministries. This week I was at a Peace a Joy FM multimedia and I sat at the reception by a fa- the famous Vim lady. I, I didn't admit her a few times, but this was the closest I got to. Fiapokua. On Adam FM. 
And after, I don't know, we just got it talking. Then she asked me, I thought she got to know I was a pastor. Sabu, sir, pepper them for no cry. You know, my I mean, I was lost. <laughs> to be honest with you. But somehow, the Holy Spirit gave me a witness. I had read something that had a brother had written and other things, exchanges that are taking place. Partly, I did, by that part, I didn't know about this. Then I found out that, ah, a group of young ladies fighting for women liberation. One of them had gone to say that, some of them are saying that it's slavery to cook for your husband. And this guy, brother, also tried to hit back at them and then they, it became a lot of it's still fighting. The fight is still on, but he has, they have moved on. So the lady asked me, so for what do you think? And to, if I'm going to have a program tonight, I want you to contribute to the program. So she called me. I think it was Monday night. And we had a good chat. If people understood the God kind of love, they won't make such statements. That if you cook forever, he must, you will both work, so he must pay you. If you clean the house, the husband must pay you. It's not biblical. It's not godly. The Bible is very clear. The scripture is very clear. Keepers of the home. What does keepers of the home? Manager of the home. So, I don't know. I pity those young ladies. And when you see their website, there's a lot of... You, you see a posture of, like, we are changing the system. We are about to fight. <laughs> Pepper them. And so this lady, Fia Pukwa, said, we are forming sugar them. <laughs> so I said, Fia, I support you. Sugar them ministries. But even, you see, deception. The devil lied to them to call it ministries. So if you are not, if you say, oh, it's, 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 a, it's a new move. There's nothing wrong with it. And I'm, no, I'm very sure that there are people who might think, even in church here, who say, oh, there's nothing wrong with this thing. And after all, they, they are, the women are being bullied and they are being cheated, so they have to stand up for their If you have an issue, let go into the word of God with your husband. Study. If you don't understand, let somebody teach you. But to lead a movement and to mobilize and like to avoid, there's nothing, we are not at war. And I told them, I told the fear, look, I've attended many weddings and engagements and all these things. And almost everywhere, we encourage the men to treat the women with love. Even traditional marriages. I've never seen a traditional marriage where they are telling the man that you bought this woman, stamp her, kill her every morning. It's not, no, but no elder word, nobody went to so to advise people to do that. So already with the campaign is on, there's no need for this aggressive posturing and fighting, calling people names and all of that. Pepper them. Pepper them. Pepper who? Put pepper in people's eyes or what? I don't understand. I, I searched and I researched and I found out that even the pepper them, it's not a good thing, the name in Nigeria. In Eastern Nigeria, it's, it's a very vulgar, very bad ways used to describe certain kinds of bad women. So I don't know why they even picked the name. But that's not the point. The point I'm making here is that it's all this feeling and views about love and about marriage. It's coming from a lack of understanding of the love of God. People don't understand that when we say love, it's not all romance. Even romance, there is work in it. There is sacrifice in it. 
Because sometimes you may not feel like being romantic, but you have to create it and let it work. Hallelujah. You understand? For the sake of your friend or your partner, your, your, you have to, your, your, your wife or your husband, you have to suppress your, your feelings. So even romance, there is sacrifice in it. So a life where, which is libertine, Nicolaitan, which says, live and let's live. Freedom is our goal. It's not biblical. Hallelujah. It's a recipe for chaos. It's a, it's, it's a coup. It's a social coup. Hallelujah. So, beloved in the Lord, we are talking about God's love with understanding. Some basic truths. The other time, you remember, I shared a few truths about God's love. We're still talking about sacrifice. And I told you that God's love, for example, is reciprocal. It means that He expects you and I to give it back to Him and to give it to other people. It's not meant for, uh, you know, that where, where we are, you know, Western children, mommy doesn't love me. It's, we, we are trained in a selfish way. They mean that mommy doesn't give you a toy or a car or a house or your freedom to go to your friend's house. It means they don't love you. That's how people have interpreted love generally. Movies, you watch it. Home Alone, Part 1, Part 2, Part 3. They don't love you. All of it is showing that, yeah, if they leave you alone, it means nobody loves you. If they take you to boarding school. Oh, man. I remember when I was in boarding school, they taught us a song. Mama, mama, miss your apple pie. Mama, miss your stew. They are, they are treating me, all right? But they can't cook just like you. Oh, mama, I miss your pie. And, and by the way, I miss you too. When you are going to sleep in the night, you march into the dormitory with this song. Hallelujah. So you, you, you feel as though the whole idea is to make you feel as if, if you, people are not around you, then they don't love you. If people don't support everything you are doing, then they don't love you. If they don't endorse, whether you are doing wrong or right, they must endorse it to show that they love you. But God's love isn't like that. So he, says, he says, even though he loves, he chastises. God's love is a bruising love also, as, as much as it's a comforting love. So we learned a few things about the love of God. That is called, we are custodians of God's love. We are mere keepers. That as He first loved us, so ought we to love the But We learned about that. That the love is not meant to be con- for us to just receiving, receiving. But we are keepers so that we can share. He comforts us that we comfort others. So if you have been in the church or you are in a marriage for long and you are always the one receiving, it's not the right way. That's not the, the kind of love we are talking about. It's unconditional. We learned about it. We learned about the Father is not discriminatory. And that, most, that, that night, we emphasize the fact that it, it is progressive. In other words, 
if today you love your love, you know, we used to write those letters, but I love you 99, 3 quarter percent, add a quarter. If your love is 90 percent, you must forget 200 and 110 and 100 and 200, 200. In other words, if you look at Ephesians 3, where Paul was praying for the saints, he said, I pray that the whole revelation of love, God's love, the length, the breadth, the height, and, and all of that. And I explained that very well to you. That some people's love is limited to people of their ethnic group. Some people's love is limited to people of their um, uh, social grouping, A, B, C, 1 alone. Some people's love is limited to people only in their church. Some people's love is only limited to only people in their family. And when you are loved, you have the revelation of the totality of God's love, your, your, your traditional barriers concerning how you, who and how you love are broken. Hallelujah. So when Paul says that, I pray that God will give you a, the, will give the fullness of his love, that the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God's love, it means that the dimensions and the scope, whether they give you what you want or they don't give you what you want, you still love them. Whether you hear what you want, you don't hear what you love, you still love them. Whether they are there when you need them or not, you still love them. That is the comprehension of the totality of God's love. Hallelujah. And that is the standard that Christ has set for you and I. The problem is that many of us in church who say we are born again, we have set our own standards. We have our own ideas of who, how to love, how to show that God's, we have God's love. Some of us, our, our understanding of love is just giving, giving, giving. Or receiving, receiving, receiving. The concept that we have of love is very myopic. It's very narrow. You see, we, we, we see it in a very one way. But when you understand God's love, the scope, the measure varies. It's not defined by ethnicity, geographical location, or achievement or accomplishment in love. Some people can only be drawn to people who have certain achievements in life. When people have accomplished certain things, then we, we feel attracted to them. Anybody who has accomplished a certain status or whatever in life, we, we, we have a certain attitude. So we, we the, but the God kind of love doesn't. And you know, we used to sing that song, it's so high that you can't, what, go over it. It's so deep that you go, can't go under it. So wide. But you used, we just didn't understand it. At that time I was singing, I honestly didn't understand it. But as I'm studying the word of God, I'm seeing that it's talking about relational dimensions of love. It's talking about definitions of love. Positional dimensions of love. It's talking about cultural dimensions of love. It's talking about ethnocentric dimensions of love. It's talking about many spiritual dimensions of love. That even people don't always spiritually agree with that which we able to get on. Hallelujah. That is what it is. Amen. Now when we understand this, then we go to the master of love, which is Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Because he set the example talking about the love of God. Jesus set the example. He taught us the example. He taught us the way. Amen. Let's look at what Jesus taught his disciples about love in Luke chapter 10, the famous Good Samaritan. There are a few practical applications I want to draw on before I talk about a few other things. 
By the way, we must know that the concept of sacrificing to show love did not start in our time. Even in the Old Testament, under, under David, we see that the war that David encountered with Goliath was an act of sacrifice. He sacrificed his image because he loved the Lord. Hallelujah. He loved the people of Israel. It didn't just happen. When you come up to even the time of Christ, you come up to the life of Apostle Paul, and I'll read a few verses that relate to that. You see that love is something that has been, the God kind of love is something God has been trying to teach us for many, many years. Amen. Let's look at Matthew, uh, Luke chapter 10 and take a few lessons from there. From verse 25, where the man went to ask Jesus about, the lawyer went to ask Jesus about eternal life. And he says, let's not spend time. Verse 27 says, the man says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Now, it's important to understand that even though the thing was about eternal life, the man changed the topic to the subject of love. So the story about the Good Samaritan, Jesus was using the subject of love as an entrance or as a window into enjoying eternal life. Hallelujah. So we can learn from that um, experience there. Move on to the next verse, verse 31, uh, uh, 29, 20, 29. And said to him, you have he wanted to justify himself. He said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? So who, in other words, who should I love? Then Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now this verse 31 is very instructive. 30, 31 is very instructive. A man... Who is unknown? We don't know how important. He just gives an example. And the scripture said, he went on a journey. On a dangerous journey. We don't know whether it was his fault or it wasn't his fault. I'm making a point. But we found out that he found himself in trouble. Many times, when people are in agony and there's a cry for help, most of us are asking questions that don't bring the deliverance and the healing and the salvation. The people of Israel ask Jesus, a similar question when somebody was blind. He said, who, who sinned? Was it his mother or his father? What is the, what's the relevance of the sin of that man? The man wants his healing at that time. This man, we don't know what led to it. How he fell in. Whether he knew in advance that these who are there or not is not important. The fact is that he had been ambushed by thieves. Way, highway robbers. Hallelujah. And if you are going to, we are going to manifest, sacrifice 
God's way of showing love, one of the things I'm seeing practically manifest is to know that we are always going to be taking risk. We don't know whether the guy was part of the gangsters and was a setup or not. All we know is that this Samaritan came across a man. A risky place. Many times, the people that are demanding or are requiring God requires of us to show his love to, it is a risky, they are risky people. They are not people who potentially can give us the benefits. You know, at the beginning, I defined sacrifice. They often don't deserve our sacrifice, so to speak. Or we are not sure if they really deserve it. Hallelujah. And if we are going to talk about God's kind of sacrifice, God's love, sacrificing for God's last sake, we must trust God to heal that mindset. Because many times I've seen that, even as a Christian, even as a pastor, there is always the temptation that before I can manifest God's love to you, I must know that you are really, you know, it will yield some returns. Um, we are profit-oriented by nature. The moment that idea becomes so strong, and not by, especially if not by the instinct of the spirit, then sacrifice is killed. That information there is not for nothing. That that highway people were robbed, which is the historical fact proved that, and that the man that negative thing happened to them is the fact. So, number one, practical application of the sacrifice of love, it involves risk. That's what that verse is telling us. And when I say risk, I realize that it's not just physical risk. This man faced physical risk. There is also the intangible, I told you at the beginning when I talked about sacrifice, that there is the, the intangible and, uh, uh, element of sacrifice, even sometimes higher. There was the intangible risk also. Risk that you couldn't see physically. The threat of a rebuttal or a repeated action. The threat of he himself. The Samaritan himself. The threat of his own people if he got back questioning him. There are or, or, or the fear that what I'm doing would it yield their returns. is one of the biggest hindrances to sacrifice. What is in it for us? Jesus was faced with that. Peter asked him, Master, we have given up all. What is in it for us? Many times, sacrifice doesn't take place because this question about risk and benefit is never properly resolved. Because many times, we are looking for temporal results. We want to see the thing happen. I want to see. 
If there is nothing in it for me, then I have to have a lukewarm attitude. I'm not willing to give something that will not bring anything. Hallelujah. So if it's only about giving that will not, will, 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 will give me things, like Jesus said, then it's, it's cool. Then it's no sacrifice. Amen. The same way, sometimes when it comes to God, we're talking about God's love, loving God. Sometimes eh, when you are praying, you can pray day one, fast day two, day three. You can be on the fast, believing God for something. Do you know that sometimes the heavens seem like steel before you? Or even in, in your personal life as a family, there are issues that you are groaning over and calling on God. Out of love, because you love God, you want to pour your heart onto Him. He's your lover. We pray about things. Every one of us here has issues that we are very sure for the past year. For the past two years, we have been praying to God about. That don't seem to be coming through. The temptation the enemy will bring is that what, what is the essence of church? What is the essence of prayer? What is the essence of worshipping? If God can't solve my problems the way I expect. Hallelujah. That's the psychological side. That's the intangible part. The thing you cannot see. People, the, the physical part is easy to tell. They fear, oh, I'm rabbi who come. So when you are protected, you are thinking about all these other things. This man, in verse 31, he says, but before 31, 32, 33, let's look at that, those verses. A priest came. What was the priest concerned about? Why didn't he do what he had to do? Why couldn't he sacrifice to be with the man as the Samaritan? We are not going over the full story the way we normally go over. Why do you think? Somebody said he was afraid. But here is a man who has been left half dead. And this is a priest. Mosaic law says, priests must not go near dead things. Dead bodies. And all that. Priests that is looking at who, even before he performs or does good, he's thinking about how is this man in my, is he in my, what do you call it? Diocese. Is he in, a, in my role? Is he known by me? Who is he? Who is he? And let me tell you, like if you take this church, one of the reasons why people don't come to weddings is because of this priestly attitude. Who is he? When they play a person, yeah, 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 they will make the other say, who is this? Where is she coming from? We don't know her. What lele? He said, no, le walile. Wale amen. She may name me le babete. Now, boy, so my mammy, y'all. Wale amen. So, the sacrifice of leaving home to come on a Saturday afternoon, they are like, you know, when we were doing primary English course, there was a story called, uh, uh, one day a man lost his sheep and he 
went around looking for it, and he came to Mr. Ofori's house. I'm paraphrasing it. <laughs> and when he came, he said, Mr. Ofori, I have lost my sheep. Do you, have you found my sheep? And Mr. Ofori said, I am tired. I'm having a good rest. Do not disturb me. Do you remember that? And the man went behind Mr. Ofori's house. Then he saw the sheep. Then the cold class started. Mr. Fori, Mr. Fori, shouted the man, Here is my sheep. <laughs> you know, your, school, your school, they didn't teach you that. Primary, my primary school, when we get to that place, the whole class will shout, Mr. Fori, Mr. Fori, shouted the man. That's how we all behave on a Saturday afternoon. When there is a wedding. Ah! No more, Walele. And because of that, many people can't sacrifice for brethren. They say, oh, this, even we will not use that sacrifice to win their love. Say, ah, I didn't contribute to the church. I haven't been here long. But the way the people came around me, I'm overwhelmed. This church, I will stay in it forever. Yeah, I know I'm loved. I know I have brethren. Even people who have been here 15 years, 20 years, when they get married, they will say, Charlie, I must, I must, I'm tired. I must, I must, I'm, I'm just resting. I'm Mr. Ofori. Mrs. Ofori. Don't disturb me. Saturday afternoon, I'm tired the whole week. My breath, night, they be ah, sorry, I said, Saturday, say, I'm home We'll see wedding. Lord, have mercy on us all. Amen. So one of the things I talked about dignity, apart from risk taking risk, is our dignity. The priests, the Levites. But he said, but accepting Samaritan, he shows that he was somewhere he was insignificant. Many of us that are not able to show the love of God to people is because you don't you we respect ourselves. We value ourselves. We value our time. We value everything. We think we know what we are doing. We've got it all under control. Our sense of dignity is too high. That's why we can't sacrifice. Sense of importance. That's why... No, no, no. For you to be able to listen to the instruction or direction of somebody, who, uh, your, a leader who is younger than you, it takes sacrifice. You come down from your, your age or your status, whatever, and come. It takes that. When we have not been able to come down from our high horses, every time our crowns, our treasures are held up. Hallelujah. So the scripture talks about the priest, the Levite, but a certain Samaritan. When you look at this, it's not only Jesus who spoke about this. Paul, and I'll, come to, I'll sum up Paul's experience 
in this in a short while. Comfort and convenience. The scripture says he had compassion. Luke 30, uh, 10 33. He had compassion. Look there. He was not looking at his comfort. It was inconvenience for him. If you are traveling, a car to Kumasi, wherever, and you have to stop your time, he was not looking at all that. So when we are talking about practical sacrificing for God's love, we are talking about offering our comfort and our convenience. Offering also, the Bible says, and he went to him, verse 34, it means he climbed down from his horse or whatever and came down. That signifies worship. Submission. Come down. Why can't people sacrifice? Well, they can't come down. Because when you are sitting on the horse, it's very nice. When you are sitting on your camel, it's very high. He says, come down from our high horses. Now, this high horse, today we are not sitting on horses, but we are sitting on horses in our minds. Your mind, your, your, our way of thinking. Why we can't we sacrifice for people and for the kingdom? Is because our, that is not my type of job. This is not my kind of person I must be doing things for. Come, he said, and he had compassion. He came down to his level. He, stu- he, he dropped from the horse and came down and felt like him. Compassion means feeling. Sometimes, because of where we have been and the experience we've had, we can't, ident- we can't tolerate people who are messing up themselves by themselves. Are you understanding me? That's why sometimes it's difficult to sacrifice for people. Because people are poor because they are lazy. That's, it's a mindset. It's not every poor person who is poor because he's lazy. Sometimes things don't work the way that people expect. It's for everybody who is last in class because they sleep and they don't learn. Hallelujah. But when we are on our high horses, we can always find things at the doorstep of people so that we don't have to sacrifice to be a blessing to show them love. Hallelujah. We don't know their story. So we are are, are quick to, to draw our conclusions. Hallelujah. But the Bible said this man had compassion. Because when we are sitting high there, there, like even in this church, for example, there are many people who are sitting high there. They can't understand. If you see a group of people who are sweating and praying under a tree, you say, Oh, I'm sorry, why you have a near any. Yeah, because when you are, you are, we are in cantonment, and the building, even though it's not air conditioning, looks like air conditioned building. People around her, put, I mean, you meet people every day who are talking, you know, talking about the God of the, of the presence of God here. They are talking about the building and the buildings. Even big, big, big men talking about that. Then if you are not careful, that will eat into your head. Hallelujah. And you may not understand what people are, people are sometimes they are preaching, they are sweating, they are doing things. And he said, ah, now, some of them are preaching there, look, the way here is so cozy and so cool. It's easy. But the Bible said the man had compassion. Say amen. We are talking about things practically. I just want to jump onto that so that we will talk a few spiritual principles and we will pray. 
So you see that for you and I to have compassion, uh, uh, sacrifice according to God's love, we need to consider coming down, submit. We see the man also ministering, serving. He says, so he went, verse 34, and bandaged his wounds. That's a service. Anybody who says, I want to sacrifice, and you don't have the spirit of service, it will be very difficult. Work! Bandaging! Working on people is not easy. The man, I can imagine the man with all the wounds. You touch this one, this, 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 and then we all dead to do. Come on, sit down. Let me put the thing inside. You be screaming. You two are trying. Getting that balance is not easy. But the man was willing to serve. The spirit of service is. He had that thing, and it that which provoked him to you to help him bandaging. When you say bandage, it means that you have every our our tongue, our thoughts about people ought to be balm, healing balm. The bandage signifies anything that we use to cover the wounds of people. People are finding easy to 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 to, to, to finish people. Don't, don't, no, if you want to sacrifice according to God's love, beloved, let's, practice, let's understand that it's not, uh, it's not nice. It's not, it won't help us to, 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 to rub it in. If you see a brother or a sister, I think uh, Mary McGee made a song. Try a little kindness, something like that. Show a little kindness. Shine your light for everyone to see. That's the bandaging. 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 And bandaging is something that takes skill, patience, tolerance. So sacrifice is not just giving money. That, was, that one is in there is coming. But before we get to the money, forbearance, tolerance, time, spending. We got bandaging. He took him. Bandage his wounds. Put oil in. Oil. Praying for him. Anointing for healing. And, and praying that God do something. Bring, transform this person. This life. And as he was having that experience, the man was covered. Covered from the wounds. Covered from shame. Speedy recovery. Healing was taking place. Hallelujah. Sacrifice that, that singular action the man took. It didn't, it didn't end by just lifting him off the road, but he con- it's a continuous process. I see the spirit of service, I see him helping. I see also in verse 35 the man willing. To give of a substance. 
resources. Physical resources. He said, he told the innkeeper, I'm paying. Whatever extra comes, I will pay. If we are talking about sacrificing according to God's love, it will cost us, or it may cost us something, money-wise. It may cost us things that, things, budget. Sometimes we, we some of us are, are living almost on ground zero. Because you have to show that sacrifice. Somebody comes to narrate a story. And the way the story is, you can't just listen. Something you have hidden somewhere for your future investment or comfort. You just have no choice. But say, let me, after all, while it's called today, let me just take and help this person. And it keeps happening. And there are people sometimes you show this to, when they finish, they don't even say thank you. Hallelujah. That is where we are, whether it is godly or not, we will see. The scripture said in verse 35, and he gave, took out two denarii. Hold his salary for a day or a month or whatever, and gave it to the innkeeper. Take care of him. That's another element, the whole sermon in itself. How to commend our love, others. To our love, to, to others, you know, making room for others. So he told the innkeeper, take care of him. Jesus said, woman, behold your son. And he said, son, behold your mother. Take care of him. It's a message. It's a message connoting an element of sacrifice. Now, you have gone to bring trouble. Sometimes, you know, we look at uh, you are, Maybe a husband or a wife wants to do good. And the other person is like, oh, this one, this one is not our kind. This one is not our type. The man said, take care of him. Take care of him. Take care of him. Telling your neighbor, Tell your neighbor, take care of her. Take care of him. It's a very, you have done the good, now you have, he has infected the innkeeper with the spirit of sacrifice. He has affected the innkeeper. What he's telling you and I is that when we, we, we live the life of sacrifice, other people can also be affected. If it's not happening, it's because maybe our, our, our aroma is not strong. This story is deep. He said, take care of him. He told the innkeeper. Take care of him. Our sacrifice doesn't end with us. That's what they say. In fact, our sacrifice, Jesus said, is an evangelistic message. That's why he said in John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one for the other. It's an evangelistic message. Why do I say it's an evangelistic message? Look at what Jesus told the man in verse 36. So, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And then he says, And he said, he who showed mercy on him. In other words, he who sacrificed. Then Jesus said to him, 
Go and do likewise. What is the word? How does that compare to uh, Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20? The Great Commission. Go! Gee, into the world. So that observation, Jesus said, go and replicate it. It's an, it's an evangelistic message. So what it means is that when we learn to sacrifice according to God's love, in God's love, the message goes out there. People get to know. When they come to church, when we meet them in our workplaces, and we are offering these things that we are talking about, the compassion, the sacrifice, they're coming down to their level, all of these things, it is a message. It is a message. Somebody says it's a message. We have been sent as missionaries. It's a message. To the world. And to the church. Now let's look at Paul's romantic letter in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The famous chapter where he talks about the bruises. Chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 from verse... Um, Maybe one to three, then I'll jump to a few other places quickly. He says, Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, indeed you bear with me. Verse 2 says, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. For I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in the Christ. This is the introduction to a love letter Paul wrote to the Corinthians. A blood portion of his letter. He's talking about jealousy between him, the, 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 the saints, and him. I'm jealous over you. He talks about Adam and Eve in the garden, romance. Then, I said at the beginning that God's kind of love is full of bruises. Hallelujah. How does it happen? As Paul was trying to explain his unusual love for the saints, the Corinthians, he goes on and goes on and goes on. So even though when you, don't you don't read the beginning very well, you may think that that chapter is about the lamentations of Paul. No, he was talking about his love, his affection for the church. His sacrifice for the saints. His sacrifice for the love for, for the cause of Christ. How does he demonstrate it? He goes on to the middle verses from verse 20, there about, 1920, there about. You understand what I'm talking about. What does he say? From verse... Is it sec, yeah, from verse 19, he says, For you put up fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. So I put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it, if one brings you into bondage, if one divorces you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face to our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak boldly. Now look at verse 22. Are they Hebrews 
You know, earlier when I talked about dignity and identity, sacrifice. Says yes. So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Now he was talking, he was not boasting, but he was trying to let them see that even though I have all these positive credentials, that should make me, make me more acceptable, I have decided not to hammer so much of my credentials. Hallelujah. Just so that I can relate to you. Just so that I can get you to love Christ. Just so that I can focus you in going towards eternal life in Christ. Hallelujah. Then how does he explain further? In labors more abundant. In stripes, I told you that when it comes to the love of God, it's full of blood. It's full of bruises. How does Paul demonstrate his love for the saints? Look at the things he's going through. That is saying that I'm jealous over you. I love you. You are treasured. And my, how do you demonstrate treasure through bruises? Love through pain. Talks about these things. Says, in stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, more often. Goes on and on. And then he goes to verse 28 and he says, And above all, the care of all the churches. Psychological. I told you about that. That when we talk about sacrifice, it's not just physical. Psycho, intangible sacrifice. The, the care of all the church. I could have cared about my wife. I could have cared about my, my, my husband or my, my, my children or my ambitions. But I have substituted that care for the care of the churches. Hallelujah. That is the sacrifice. I shouldn't be. I, if the churches want to misbehave or do what they I should have let them. If they don't want to go into eternal have eternal, I should have left them. If they want to be worldly, I should have left them. But because I want their best, I am laboring in prayer. I am teaching them by day and by night. I, sometimes I, I, I'm risking my life. And he narrated all, he said, among thieves, among false brethren, among this. He says, 39 stripes. So many, five times I've received 39 stripes. And many all, he goes on. He said, at a point, I was left half dead. That is what Paul talked about. That's his experience. To show or to sacrifice for the sake of loving the brethren. I don't think any of us has come anywhere near that. We have not, like the Hebrews writer said, we have not sacrificed to the point of giving away blood. Sacrificing our lives, being at so much risk. People are willing to sacrifice for political victories. Those days when there was schools, a lot of schools, people were sacrificing. Every time there's a school, people were being detention for two, three years, going through all kinds of torture, and they thought that they were liberating Ghana from all their agonies. Even them, they were happy. We have. It's our time now. We haven't done anything. Is it shame? Is it bad naming? Bad mouthing? What is it? The Archbishop said, what have you survived? 
What have you survived? What have many of us, we haven't survived? We haven't gone through any, I mean, defamation, slander, betrayals, that the apostle is talking about. But he started it in a love letter. He's talking about, oh, I praise, I love you, I treasure you, I'm jealous over you. He said, I love you. But why should that love tend to so painful a chapter? Let's reorient ourselves. Loving according to God is more than romance. It's more than mills and booms. It's more than ama and shati. It's more than kumkumbaja. It's more than that. You love me, I love you. Boy meets girl. It's more than that. Jesus, God, the scripture, I'll end with Jesus. He so loved, he so loved that God says he gave. He gave. He didn't give what was convenient. He gave his only son. Hallelujah. But let me say this before I get to that. That when you read Hebrews, you see that that sacrifice paid off. When we are sacrificing for God's love's sake, I'm telling you that it will pay off. Let's look at Hebrews 10 and then we'll pray. Hebrews 10 from verse 19. Hebrews 10 verse 19. Okay, if you take 18, it says that, Now there is remission of sins. There is no longer an offering for sin. In other words, there is no need. For the sac- Jesus has been sacrificed already. So therefore, brethren, having boldness, we are the beneficiaries of the sacrifice of Jesus. Hallelujah. So, having boldness. In other words, when you and I sacrifice like Jesus has done, and sacrifice our convenience, our dignity and all, the results we are reading are going to apply to somebody in the faith who is also coming up. Say amen. When you are, for example, you sacrifice your dignity, it gives somebody who is lower down in their body an opportunity to climb up and come near the, the beloved in the Lord. Amen. A new Christian who comes to church, because many of us, we are still sitting on our high horses, the new Christian can't enter. That's why many people come in, they, 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 don't, they can't stay. He said, let us therefore, you see, because Jesus has done that sacrifice, a, a door has been opened. So we have entered boldly, or we are being encouraged to enter boldly. They also, when we sacrifice, when we sacrifice our time, when we sacrifice our money, when we sacrifice our dignity, when we sacrifice our convenience, when we sacrifice all that Jesus went through, that I've gone through in the, the, the story of the Good Samaritan, then, other believers, other weaker brethren, younger people, also, verse 19 is saying that, therefore, having boldness to enter. See, because of the sacrifice, he, he paved the way for you and I to enter. That's what happened in the spirit, through the sacrifice of Jesus. So you and I, when we also sacrifice for God's last sake, somebody will then enter the kingdom and establish 
Then you, that person also, you see, you see, the, the thing there is not for just, you know, theology or philosophy. It's a practical application of God's word. Hallelujah. He says that, therefore, therefore means that we are drawing a conclusion from the thing that Jesus did. What did Jesus do? Jesus died, sacrificed himself. God offered Jesus as a sacrifice for mankind. Are you getting it? And therefore, because he has been sacrificed, you and I, from our villages, Jekrobia, Apan, wherever we came from, Walewale, Jwarungu, all of us, we now have boldness to enter. Now, when somebody enters the church, and you as a, a, a 50-year-old, 60-year-old, you, 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 you come down for your high horse, and are welcoming, and are loving, because you have come down like a good Samaritan, and you are bandaging somebody's wound, and he sees it. Because of your sacrifice, somebody to what? Have what? Boldness to enter. Then you will see. And you will faithfully say, then he too, one day, he too will sacrifice. Then another person will do what? Have boldness to enter. So the more we, we, we understand the spirit of the sacrifice of Christ, the more people are emboldened to enter. But now, it's like people are not emboldened. Because people are, are still sitting on, nobody is sacrificing. Everybody is happy in their little world. And tonight, I pray God will help us to sacrifice. Say amen. Then, verse, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. Jesus has turned. So, the, 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 the veil are things representing things that became obstacles. The old members and the new members. The men and the women. The, 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 the pepper them versus the sugar dams. The, the tall and the short. The educated versus the, the uneducated. The rich and the poor. That veil, because of what you do, by your simplicity and your humility and by your commitment and compassion that we do, that we manifest, that veil is broken. So the guy who is coming into fellowship with Christ and with the church understands that, oh, I can come just as I am without one plea. Because this person who is member of parliament for so-so and so, or chief speaker over there, even there, when you see him in the church, he is the one who is carrying the offering bowl. He is the one who is offering people. He is the one who is willing to sweep the church. He is the one who, so it's, it's, it, it doesn't intimidate him. It doesn't intimidate her. Are you getting me? So he says, the veil, the veil, the veils that need to be broken. Veils of ethnicity. Veils of tribalism. Veils of, of, of pomposity. Veils of class. Ought to be shattered. Therefore, we can then have access. People can freely. Veils. Veils. Of, of, of spirituality. Veils of any sort. Veils, veil, anything that covers, that doesn't make people have access to the things of God. Hallelujah. Says, and a living way, consecrated for through the veil, that is the flesh. Go on to the last few verses, verse 24, then we close. It says, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us, 
Now let's deal with the part that we have to do. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. You see, because of Jesus' sacrifice, we are being urged to draw near. The same way, when we, draw, when we, 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 we sacrifice for one another according to the pattern of Jesus, others, the urge, it will be easy to say, come, we are happy people. We are wonderful. We are serving the Lord. We don't even have to say much because the message of evangelism has gone. Jesus asked the man, of all, who likes bad other than good? He asked him, the three men that came to this person, which of them would, do like, be like, would like to be like? Who is the correct guy? It's only a very bad person or a person who is, who is not truthful who will say the, 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 the priest. Because if you are in that situation of the, 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 the man who fell by the, the, the thief, you recognize that it's actually the good Samaritan. The Samaritan. So he said, the Samaritan. So already there's a message of salvation. Already it's gone. And he says, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, it makes suspicions, doubts about people. When they see that people are sacrificing for they, 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 it, 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 it kills misconceptions. I, I thought this person was the general manager of that and these social so, so. ah, How come? What has changed? All the thing, negative views about people. I, I thought tall people don't do certain. I thought rich people don't do. I thought intellectuals don't do certain. I thought all those ideas. I thought the way the building looked, the people were very, going to be very hostile. When I went, the way they would see me, I'm overwhelmed. I didn't know that they, they, they are such caring. I didn't know that there are brethren like that in the world. I've never met people like that in my whole life. An evil conscience, evil thinking that they had before they came around you has been, they, I mean, the whole thing has been broken. Their myth is broken. So, evil conscience and sprinkle from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So, verse 23 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. Praise the Lord. And verse 24 says that, provoking, let us consider one another to stir up to love and good works. King James makes it better, provoking one another unto love and to good works. When, it is, when we, there is sacrifice, that is the, the, you see, the, those verses from 19, they are about to 25, shows what is Otherwise, when you don't do that, and we go to, there's no, we are not following that, and then we go to 25, and we say, oh, God says that, neglect not the ascending of the brethren. No. They don't understand it. It's, it's Greek. It's Latin. It's Aramaic. It's strange to the people. They don't understand it. That's why we teach the people from faith builders that this same verse, Hebrews 10.25, we say, teach the people, they come to school ministry, we teach them their thing. And we, we even amongst ourselves, we teach them, but still sometimes they don't understand. Because there is a certain veil that we need to cross. And for those of us, brethren, who are here, let us be the channels that we're going to emulate the God kind of love that others can enter. We pray that God will help us. Let us pray. You and I are the ones that have to conform our love to that of Christ through sacrifice.